0: This is The Overreaction, where we have open discussions about birth stories, fertility journeys, loss, life as a birth worker, and so, so much more. I'm your host, Ashton Scott. You can check out the episode description to find some show notes with links to our guests' social medias and where you can find them, as well as a link to our own Instagram, where you can send a DM to submit your story so that you can join us on this podcast and on this journey of building connection and community with people who are in the same boat as you enjoy the episode episode two I was so excited and so honored to have my dear friend Natalie Linares on to carry on our launch day episodes. She is so kind and thoughtful and amazing, and she has such a wonderful family, and she comes on to share a little bit about her story. Some topics that we discuss today are dealing with societal and family pressures to have more than one kid we talk about fear and the many many emotions that come up when she was pregnant with that second kid we talk about postpartum anxiety and learning from the previous postpartum period to really set herself up for success going into the next postpartum period we talk about building a mental health birth plan and creating your cocoon of support around you. We talk about what it's like to be called a geriatric pregnancy, as well as reaching out to mental health professionals and taking those steps to really get yourself in a good place heading for that second postpartum period. I'm so grateful to you, Natalie, for coming on and being vulnerable and sharing your story and sharing this advice and these tips that I think a lot of people are really going to take value from. Let's jump into episode two, Building Your Cocoon of Support with Natalie Linares. Hi, Natalie.
1: Hey, Ashton. How are
0: you? I'm good. How are you?
1: Good. I'm good. It's weird (laughs) not seeing you at my house. (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) Well, can you introduce yourself, give us your pronouns, and a little bit about you and your family?
1: Sure, my name is Natalie. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and a little bit about me and my family. Um I'm married for almost 15 years and have two sassy sweet girls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> yes. My favorite girls in the world. Um well, Mine too. right? Um, so place us in your story. Start us where you want to begin.
1: So my story, I feel, is probably something that women in their 30s probably go through, which is, do I have the second kid? Mm. Um, As soon as you get married, or when I grew up, I guess it was, okay, when you're getting married, then when are you having your first kid? And then as soon as that one comes up, it's, oh, when are you having your second so after that, they didn't seem to ask anymore. So I guess two is like the agreed upon.
0: <laughs> that was satisfactory. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Society agrees that we will stop asking after two. Um, but it was a really big debate. And I was in that threshold of, I had my children, um, you know, I was approaching 35, 36. And you kind of get to the age where, you know, you're called a geriatric pregnancy and all the fun mm-hmm. dinosaur terms that go along. <laughs> with being pregnant um, in a response, like, you know, I was financially ready to have children. So that's what I waited for. And that made me a geriatric. So, so, um, so when we were deciding, we were just kind of, hey, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, and we struggled to conceive our first one. So we were just thankful that we had our little bundle of joy. Um, but we were surprised uh, and found out that we were having a second. And it happened pretty much, uh, you know, we were gonna, <laughs> we were gonna kind of try, I guess, until the end of the year, and right at Christmas, you know, right before <laughs> Christmas time, um, tis the season, and we got that surprise. So my brain went through all different kinds of emotions of excitement of having, you know, being able to have a second child to kind of like worry like how am I even gonna have enough love to give (laughs) two children let alone my time and my energy um am I gonna have a favorite because I love Gabby I mean she is my girl she's my mini me she's like um she's my twin so it's like to even fathom that another person could be part of the family was really hard to process for a little while yeah um and so um, so as I was going I, and I struggled with those um, emotions, a big one was fear. Um, mm. And part of that was because um, my first child had some eating challenges, um, maintaining a, um, a weight, they call it failure to thrive. And as a mom, when you hear the words <laughs> failure, <laughs> when a doctor's saying the word failure, like a doctor saying it, like not yeah. your mom, yeah. not like... You know, it
0: cuts your inner really thoughts. Deep. Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: fail, like written down, failure to thrive. Oh my gosh. And so like, you're like, oh my gosh. So, um, but she had, you know, a lot of children, newborns have it, which is the reflux. And it was severe. And she had to have these compounded, um, compounded medicines that I had to get at like this special pharmacy that of course cost hundreds of dollars. And she had to be on special formula and all that fun stuff. Um, so when I was pregnant with my second, I panicked cause I just mm. had a flashback to all of these things. And I was, part of me was like, there's no way that, uh, God or the universe can give me two of the same challenges. It's going to be a new challenge. I was pretty confident, but there's always that worry. Mm. So then, um, instead of keeping on manifesting the worry and the, and the anxiety, um, I, I created, uh, we called the term cocoon of support.
0: So that that. was
1: when, yeah, that's when I was like, okay. So I had some postpartum anxiety from my first, um, which was, you know, I I wasn't able to sleep. Um, I was just worried that the baby wouldn't breathe. So like that product that like, you know, kicks every time the baby breathes. I mean, that was like a lifesaver. I don't think I could sleep without that thing. Um, so after, uh, dealing with, part postpartum anxiety and things like that, I said, okay, I have to be better prepared this time. I just suffered through it the first time. So um, I started ha- making appointments with a therapist. I started making appointments with a psychiatrist. Um, so that way we basically had a plan in place so that if, you know, knock on wood, the anxiety reared its head again or something different reared its head again, that I was ready. Um, and so with that therapist, what we really worked on was like a mental health kind of birth plan, mm. um, which was really, really helpful. So understanding who my safe spaces were, um, making sure that those were my resources. If my husband, you know, if he's overwhelmed, who am I going to go to and things like that. And taking the time with somebody, I was very privileged to be able to do that and working with them to create that Um I, I alleviated as much as it could that worry of what if this, you know, what if something goes wrong or what if it happens again? So, you know, as a, as a mom that was about to have her second, I had the feelings of, can I love this person, you know, this new baby and then also like, am I going to be okay? Mm -hmm. Um, And reconciling those two big questions um, was, was very overwhelming. So it wound up being a wonderful experience at the end of all of this. Um, I did have a C-section the first time and I was going to try um for a vaginal birth the second, Um, but I tested, uh I tested positive for uh, something. So strep strep yep. And so I was like, well, that, that eliminates the only benefit there. So mm. I was like, I'm not going to ruin both. I'm not gonna ruin it if I don't have to., um, so I just went for the second C-section, and it was it was honestly a really cool experience. I picked out a playlist. like <gasps> I had a musical playlist. My doctor was young. He's still really cool. I every time I see him now, i we fist bump. Um <laughs> and I had like,, um, uh, and so then when Cecilia was being born, one of the songs in my playlist, which you know was a name I was considering, of course, was Cecilia. And of course, Cecilia by Simon and Garfunkel was playing as she was being pulled out. And I was like, okay, well, this is the sign that I have to name her this.
0: I love um, it, I just got goosebumps. It was awesome,
1: yeah, it was really cool. So um, so wound up being, at the end of it, a very positive experience um at planned as well as planned can be, a very calm um delivery. I healed very well, everything went well. Um, and after the birth, um, you know, I did struggle with those emotions. Um, I did find space to love my second, of course, um, <laughs> just as much as my first, which is it's hard to believe. You're like, yeah, you probably, there's gotta be one that's your favorite. And there's really not. They're just so different. It's pretty cool. Um but I think um, the cocoon of support really wound up coming through. Um, so then after I delivered, um, I, I kept my health appointments. So we scheduled twice a week in the beginning. Um, I was show, you know, kind of taken over to her house. She lives right down the street, so it was very convenient. Um, and we were able to manage um, and kind of wait and see approach. So I wound up not needing medication um, for the second time around and just making sure I had the right people around me. So Mm -hmm. my mother-in-law came, um, my sister came to help out. She was a big help and gave Gabby all the love in the world. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. So, um, that wound up being a good alignment and fit. And I was able to, um, and of course, you know, I did not have a failure to thrive the second time (laughs) around. So she was a healthy eater, uh, no acid reflux, but she just was eating every two hours. So it was just the normal, you know, uh, stress of just being able to produce enough milk for her every two hours, uh, which I was welcoming. So it was able to, it was almost like, uh, I compare it to like learning a sport left-handed the first mm. time. And then when you're like, oh no, you can, you can actually do it with your right hand. It's like, oh, this is so much easier. (laughs) So, um, the second kid was just, it was just, I was able to enjoy it all because all of that stress wasn't there and everything was kind of going according to plan. Um, so I was able to just more
0: enjoy every single moment.
1: And that's Um, my story. (laughs) I
0: love that. Yeah. I love the, the, the contrast of course, like We want them to all be like round two, but kind of going through that first one and then taking that experience to, to make round two is so valuable (laughs) when you were pregnant with your first did was postpartum a topic because so many people are really shocked by postpartum. They, they have their baby and we've prepped for baby and we have a million diapers and all of the clothes, but like, I'm not okay. (laughs) What's going on? I, I heard it was
1: called the baby blues. I heard mm. of the baby blues and even my, God bless her. My, um, aunt Mildred, who was like, she just passed like a year ago and she was so sweet. She go, I had the worst baby blues. Just be careful. Cause those baby blues, the first two weeks, who they got me good. And like <laughs> the way that she talked about it was almost like it was a cold, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it got me good for those first two weeks. Right and that wasn't the case <laughs> it was like it was you know it took time actually it was it was months and it would get just weird it would just got weird uh, in all different types of directions um but yeah nobody talked about the range of emotions mm. i remember like when i first came home with the baby like you know they let you leave the hospital and that's kind of weird cuz you're like all right i guess i'm actually taking this thing home with me and um we got home and of course you know she's not eating and I'm like overwhelmed and I'm so so tired mm-hmm. and I just looked at my husband and I said I said I ruined our life I'm so sorry, oh, no. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> we had it so good honey we had it so good and I ruined it oh no uh and he was like it's okay like he didn't know what to say yeah, I no you didn't you did And he had probably had his own feelings because he, Mm. I mean, what can you do? You can't nurse. You can't, all you can do is like, just pat me on the head, which is what he did. And he did the best he could. But I mean, I had that moment. And then the next moment I would be like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. And I am mother nature and I am a portal and all these (laughs) big feelings and just the swing back and forth. Um, we're just wild. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When I'm, when I'm talking to my doula clients, we have a whole hour and a half on postpartum. And even then I feel like, am I hitting all of the right things? Like, are they prepared enough? And even just speaking about it and speaking about making a plan and having it as a topic of conversation between them and their partner in the home Can change the experience altogether but I'm I'm curious if there are any any pivotal points that you you think everyone just you need to know like this is something that please plan here um, pay attention here spend extra time and love in this area
1: yeah I think that a key thing is to kind of I don't know how to articulate this without a visual so I apologize but looking at the issue like while you're still in it versus Mm -hmm. taking a step back and looking at it from a distance so like Mm -hmm. if I were to tell myself back then I would be like okay Natalie if you're feeling this what else is going on like I'm too in the moment so I found myself being so overwhelmed in the moment I couldn't take that space Mm -hmm. to breathe and analyze what was going on because in reality it was oh I haven't slept in three days and I haven't taken time for me but at the same time, there's this narrative in your head of like, I'm the only one that can do this and I'm the only one. And so it was really hard reconciling reality um, of what like is a reasonable amount to do. So I would say, you know, write things down, write down how you're feeling, write down uh, before you give birth, like, Hey, what's good enough. And even set yourself up for some, some tips. So like, if if you know that, how do I say this? If you know that your, um, like your red flag is after 48 hours of not showering, that means something, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Call those out and write those down and share those with your partner or your doula. So that way they could gently and kindly kind of call you out because mm. you're going to be convincing yourself of what's best. Um, but you're convincing yourself in a very tired state mm. in a very altered state um so that's where if you're a lot if you're honest with yourself on like especially if you've had depression before so like if you if you are prone to those types of things then you know you'll hopefully be more aware of them but also maybe you haven't shared that type of a vulnerability level with your partner so that might be an opportunity to get to that Next level with them and say, hey, you know, if I don't get out of bed or if I am not washing my hair, like usually that means something's off. Um, so know yourself, know that, and um, and just kind of take a breath, you know, take a moment and just check and make sure you've you've done your basics, you know, mm-hmm. like um, your basic care, and um, and if not, then reconcile it. Um, as soon as
0: you can (laughs) yeah yeah it sounds like uh kind of creating a system of accountability of sorts when it comes to mental health and like my I am not pregnant I have not been through a postpartum stage but I struggle with mental health and so I have over time had to flag my own red flags and and become aware of those things so I do hold myself accountable when I'm not getting up in the morning, when I refuse to get out of bed, like okay, something needs to change. I have to, <laughs> I have to do something along the way. Um, yes, yeah. And then the the last
1: thing I'll say is um, surround yourself with safe spaces. It doesn't matter if, well, I promised my mom I would have her there, or I mm. promised so and so. If they are not the right vibe that you need in that space, or if you're not ready to receive anybody take that space. Cause that's also something, uh, f- funny, quick story. So, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, my mother-in-law and, um, father-in-law did come down for the second birth and they were wonderful and they were gentle and they were kind. Um, but me, I was still a little bit of a mama bear, you know, after that second mm-hmm. baby came out and, um, I just got, I didn't want, them to hold the baby when and I look back at and I'm like oh wow it's so silly I'm almost like embarrassed to say it but I didn't want them to hold the baby I wanted like I just wanted to be there and it was Mm -hmm. you know it was pretty soon um but it was again it was my second so it's not like this was my first rodeo um and they uh they kind of got a little like they could sense that it was my like territorialness, and they mm-hmm. didn't, you know, really know necessarily how to handle it. And the poor sweet souls, they like, like, okay, well, we're gonna go now, and they like left dinner on the doorstep, and then they left. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just, they could sense that I needed space, and that mm-hmm. I was overwhelmed. So they were just trying to like gently leave as nice as yeah. possible. But like, you know, I think that if I was more honest and been like, hey, I'm not ready to receive people yet. Um, instead I tried to push myself and because I know it was such a joyous moment and I do, you know, you want to share it with those special people in your life. Um, so, you know, they unfortunately got to see a little mama bear (laughs) action, which, you know, it is what it is, but, um, they still love me anyway. So that's
0: good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, setting and holding the boundaries and, and, and being, okay with having those boundaries and it's not an easy thing and it's definitely not an easy thing in a time when it is it's a joyous time you just had your second baby and they just had another grandchild and so there is kind of this societal entitlement I guess that (laughs) that kind of that places that pressure of I need to have people over I need to have people over so they can hold my baby and and it's not always a it's not always the right move for everyone. Yeah, no.
1: no. But, but now I'm like, hey, come down here and please come hold my baby. Like, <laughs> you like, can I And them? I'm like, come back. <laughs> come back down here and hold my baby.
0: So yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> all works care. out in the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, um, so kind of my last question is, I know postpartum can be a huge learning curve and postpartum never really ends. Like it, it, there's like the really <laughs> intense- period, but I mean, you, it's kind of life, um, to a certain degree. What did you learn in that first couple of weeks or first couple of months after your second that you've carried with you through now setting boundaries or,
1: mm. Mm. um, I think the biggest lesson is, uh, t- taking time for yourself, mm. Um, and of course I'm not the best at it. There's still even times now, I mean, they're both playing downstairs and they're both like fully functioning human beings at this point, uh, four and eight. And, um, you know, taking time for them for yourself and um, making sure, you know, because you all I, I would always worry. I'm not being a good enough mom, especially when you have two then it's like, well, this time, instead of napping, I could be spending it with my first kid, or I could be spending it dot, dot, dot. It's like, yes, at the end of the day, you could be spending it all different types of of ways, but make sure you're filling your cup back up somehow. um, If you, if, if possible. Um, So a lot of things, um, I guess the, the biggest thing would be just make sure you're your priorities are aligned with like reality, like cleaning, for example. Like I like to have a clean house and it calms me down and it keeps my mental health well. But at the same time, staying up till three in the morning, cleaning because I have an anxiety and it makes me feel calm and I'm looking for that end result is counterintuitive Mm -hmm. and recognizing that and being at peace with the flaws and being at peace with the chaos a little bit Because at the end of the day, and this is like the most annoying end of the day, but at the end of the day, like, it's just stuff. It doesn't matter.
0: And, you know, um, that's
1: it. So I think just reminding yourself of that somehow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add or any advice you want to give or anything else to round us out?
1: Um, Yeah, I would just say do what's best for you. Like, don't yeah. listen to the, to the stuff about like, oh, you have to give them a sibling or whatever. I mean, mm. don't get me wrong. It's nice that they're playing together. Um, but do what's best for you and your family. If one child is enough and you're like, okay, this is, this is, you know, enough to keep me busy. I feel like I'm involved and I'm experiencing, you know, having a child, I think after one it kind of turns into a lifestyle so mm. like i feel like with one it's like you can kind of bring them around with you <laughs> um and then once it's two it's like okay this is like we are parents and this is a lifestyle so um and neither one is wrong like there are yeah. so many times when it's like gosh i wish i had one and then there's some times where i'm like oh it's so awesome to have two mm-hmm. and so but at the end of the day honestly either one is is awesome and so just do what's right for you and just be honest with yourself um I don't feel like people regret anything as long as you did what was best for you at the time so just don't do it for anybody else make sure you're doing it for you because these things take a lot of work
0: (laughs) a lot of time a lot of energy a lot of work
1: and a lot of patience especially if you're breaking like trauma cycles and mm. your solution isn't just like yelling and stuff like that you know if you're trying to like be mindful and have like societally awesome kids I mean it's it's a full-time job it really it's is absolutely
0: so. yeah because mm-hmm. all of that is also your own work that yeah throw that on top of two kids <laughs> <laughs> and you have yes. no time or energy uh well no. thank you so so much for for sharing your story. Is there, can we find you anywhere or anything coming up for you?
1: Um, I know, not right no. now. <laughs> <laughs> I do dabble in podcasts and TikToks, but yeah. no, I'm really just chilling right now. <laughs> cool.
0: I love it. But, well, thank you so much. I really yes, appreciate thanks. you. Thank you for listening to The overreaction. You can check out the episode description to find show notes that includes links to anything that was mentioned in today's episode, as well as our Instagram link where you can head on over and submit your story to be shared here via DMs. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would be so honored for you to subscribe, leave a review, download some episodes, or send some to a friend that you know would enjoy it. I hope that you have a wonderful week and I will see you next Tuesday.